the Resilient Disciples podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. You know, before the pandemic, I was a homebody. And now while we've all had some levels of shelter in place orders around the country, and many of you have been put into remote work and church environments, we're all kind of homebodies. The coronavirus has changed so much in our country and around the world, but what I hope Awana and this podcast can do is remind you that God is on the move everywhere. Because of the immense privileges and blessings that God has given me, I have to be intentional to not let those comforts blind me to the way that God is on the move around the world and the opportunities I have to join with him as he makes disciples. If I only think God is Lord over my own perspectives, issues, and my own little universe, I severely limit who God is and what he wants to show me. Maybe you have a better theology than I do, or maybe you're like me, but either way, I think you should meet Tom Chilton. Tom is the area director of Awana Europe and North Asia, and from his seat, he equips local leaders that reach thousands of kids from a vast variety of nations. We discuss his ministry, the state of Awana and the church generally in Europe, and how the coronavirus has impacted resilient child discipleship. Thank you for listening. Here is Tom Chilton on the Resilient Disciples podcast. I grew up in the church and and, um, we were there for all the meetings, including those times when the missionaries would come and visit, uh, whether they were missionaries supported by our church or other missionaries visiting. And, you know, I'd listen to those reports and really be interested in learning about other people and other people groups, other parts of the world. So I think I've always had an interest in um, cross-cultural work, um, you know, just even things like geography and and culture are very, very interesting to me. So I think there was that natural curiosity and desire to learn about others, but that was always wedded together with um, the desire to um, make Christ known, you know, to share the good news. And, and I think as I got opportunities to travel outside of the U.S. with Awana, uh, my favorite thing about that those travels is meeting other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, meeting uh fellow believers and realizing that even though, you know, we have different first languages and we have different um, customs and we eat different kinds of food, there's a connection that we have in Christ that is stronger than all of those differences. And it allows us to share fellowship and to, uh, you know, to work together in, in mission and that's the part that just keeps me wanting to go get out there and, and be with, with our, our people in the, in the field and support the work that they're doing because they're really, um, you know, they're taking the gospel out to their community. And if I can play some small part in encouraging that and, and blessing that work and strengthening that work, that's what I want to be about. Uh, that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, you are, I think, a, a pretty decent embodiment of one of the, one of the many things that makes Awana a unique organization, because you are someone who has such a wide purview, Europe and North Asia, you know, the, there are so many distinctions between the different nations that your ministry encompasses that 
your job could be handled by, you know, 40 different uh, people, right? And you have to sort of sit in this sort of centralized location to empower those who are reaching mm-hmm. the kids with the gospel. There's a lot of narratives that get written about the church, especially during a time like this, where we all have a lot of extra time to sit on an internet comment section and decide that we should write a blog, right? And I feel like one of the more consistent narratives of potentially the last decade, but especially I would argue probably the more like the past five years is a lot of headline writing that basically about the death of the church in Europe. I experienced this just in brief travels to Europe. A lot of the buildings you go into are churches. A lot of churches that are older than the United States of America, right? Mm-hmm. There's this beauty that comes from being able to stand in a place that you know has has housed worshipers for hundreds of years. But I would look around and realize that the building seemed kind of empty. So right. you are someone who I think is in is a unique position because of the work that Awana does. I'm going to ask you a question that is impossible for one person to answer, but you are humble enough to, uh, I think, give a genuine response of what is the state of the church in Europe? How do you feel like even pre-COVID, uh, how did you see God on the move? Because I think so many of us stateside, we want that, but we don't have the proximity mm-hmm. that you do in order to see mm-hmm. Yes. Well, there's an element to which the... Uh, the story of the, the difficult situation in Europe is true. Um, you do have a lot of uh, post-Christian and secular society seems to have, you know, taken hold in, in many of the countries in Europe. And, and, you know, you can say less than 2% of Europeans would say they have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's, that's a true statement. So there is a significant need and there's a, some significant darkness uh, spiritually you know because of that reality in Europe today and yet there's the other side of the story um, there are very vibrant and alive and healthy churches all across Europe and there are church planting movements that are starting new churches and you know, reaching back into some of these communities that were traditionally Christian, but that are not, uh, today they don't have the personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, and there are doors that God is opening and, and our opportunity and our, our role, I believe is to come alongside of where God's working, where, where the church is, uh, alive and striving to make disciples and, and, you know, be a part of encouraging that work and be a part of a rebirth that's happening in many of these countries. So I could, I could just mention so many examples, you know, you might look at Norway, it's a very Western European um, secular state. um, And yet uh, here, here we we see um, maybe 5%, you know, evangelical uh, Christians. So there's a little bit more presence there, but we've found a partner who really believes in the importance of discipling, today's generation so that they'll be strong in the faith and they're an influencing church and they've introduced us to over a hundred churches now that are, are running the Iwana program. That's just in four years That's because cool. of this one uh, influential church, you know, we, we are having a significant impact in Norway. I could go to a former, um, former communist country like Bulgaria and, and say, 
when, when communism fell, a lot of Christians went in to Bulgaria and were trying to, you know, plant churches. And a lot of people came to faith, including our coordinator in, in Romania, Stillian. And he said, I came to faith as a teenager in the 90s when, when communism fell. And he said, most of the pastors in Bulgaria today came to faith at that same time. But he said, where, where will the next pastors and, and, you know, church leaders come from? It's got to be the children in our churches today. And if we want to see another revival, because he saw that as a revival in his country, he said, if we want to see another revival, it has to be reaching the children. And so they launched Awana just uh, less than two years ago and have 30 churches and, and plans to keep growing and expanding that work. Um, countries like Ukraine, you have a little bit stronger even evangelical or Christian presence, uh, but, but it's because they're continuing to invest in the next generation, change some of the methods, but keep the mission of reaching with the gospel and discipling in Christ, the work to build relationships with those kids and invest in their lives. That's, they've been doing that faithfully for 30 years, and, and they're seeing many of those kids that they first started with are now um, leading churches, leading ministries, serving the Lord. Churches that are continuing to be a light to, to their communities and continuing to reach out and continuing to make disciples. And when we can come alongside of, of all of those um, different churches and, and different movements, um, church planting movements are really key, really big right now. You know, God's God's giving us time. You know, he's not done yet with Europe. So any story that says, well, forget about Europe, it's done. I, I will strongly say, no, um, we have to we have to keep going. God's God is raising up people for for the harvest. And there are many who are who are coming to faith. And absolutely. No, I I can take issue with any with the theology behind writing off a country before God has ushered in the new Eden. Right. Like clearly we still have work to do because we're all still here. So yeah, given the alternative, you got to figure out ways that you can chip in. You know, it's such a diverse region. If I could just add quickly, no, please. you know, when we talk about Mongolia and Central Asia in those places, you're talking about a very young church, um, a very newly established church. There really were no believers in Mongolia in the 1990s, early 1990s. And today there are wow. hundreds, uh, per, perhaps even thousands of churches across Mongolia. Uh, but they're new, you know, they're young churches that need um, education and discipleship and training. And Awana can come right alongside. And as we're training leaders to work with kids, we're actually discipling, you know, those, those younger believers and those strengthening those churches. And we're seeing the same thing happening in Central Asia, where uh, many of the uh, ethnic native populations are are uh, turning to Christianity and churches are being planted. So um, it's just a diverse region, and it's very exciting to see the different ways that God is opening doors, whether it's rebirth and revitalization within the Lutheran evangelicals of Norway or new churches that you know, have very little resource and very little exposure to the gospel, but they're coming to faith and, and God's um, drawing people to himself Yeah, in all those places. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot there about Awana that I want to uh, sort of lay plain for people because I think it, it goes against the perception that some may have, even listeners to this podcast, about what Awana is and isn't. Um, but you talked about the diversity of, of those regions. In what ways are they similar? In what ways does resilient child discipleship look the same in Mongolia compared to Norway? Well, I think I, I will come back to 
um, this idea of relationships being the critical component. Um, in the scriptures, uh, Christ called us to make disciples and, and make disciples of all nations. And, and how do you make disciples? Well, truly, disciples are, are kind of made one, one person at a time, one relationship at a time. When you have an Awana club, um, it gives you an opportunity to minister to, to, to many children you know, at the same time, they gather together, they're having fun, um, they're learning together, they're growing together, but then they're seeing, they're in their leader, they're seeing um, an embodiment of the Christian faith, and the leader plays such a critical role. They're, they're, they're really like the, the textbook uh, that the kids are studying. We may give them a handbook, or we may give them a handout that they use during the week, but it's really the leader who is saying, I'm going to be here for you every week. Um, I'm going to check in, you know, maybe on Sundays, maybe other opportunities in the community, but I'm going to uh, be that loving, caring adult who's here and who believes in this and wants to live it out for you so that you too can, can follow Christ like I'm following Christ. And, and, and that's true everywhere uh, that Awana is at work. When, when it's working properly, when we have well-equipped leaders, um, you know, that's, that's the, um, the beauty of it. It's, it's the faithfulness and the, um, the, the life on life, um, mission and discipleship that's going on. And, and, you know, we might, we might have different kinds of games that get played from one country to the next. We might have, we obviously have different languages. We may or may not have printed resources, um, but we're, we're teaching God's word and, and we're investing relationships into the lives of kids. And, and those, those are the, you know, the most critical components. Those are the eternal things yeah. that, that we're staying focused on. Absolutely. I mean, I think it also comes back to the belong, believe, become resilient child deception philosophy that is laid out in the book, because you may speak a different language. You may uh, play a very different game, but at the end of the day, we know because of how deeply that philosophy is rooted in scripture that that is the closest you're ever going to get to a how-to guide to resilient child discipleship is going through that process because <laughs> by Awana investing in leaders, those leaders are able to create circumstances. Because I think too, what I hope people understand is we talk about how we can invest in what a child will become. We talk about the church of 2050. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That investment is so much more critical, the heavier the darkness is and the heavier the hostility is to the gospel. Like you said earlier, you know, there is some truth to the state of the church in Europe, but the difference is that that investment in those leaders in particular actually goes farther because it is combating the weightiness of that darkness. You know, I started at Awana last November, or as I, or as I like to call it, the before times. And... Um, <laughs> When people found out that I worked at Awana, the most common thing I heard was, oh yeah, I did Awana. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I just thought that was a thing. My church did it in its basement. Right, right. And while that comment can sometimes cause some eye rolls, the positive thing, I think it speaks to the way that in Awana's entire history, it has existed very humbly. How has Awana's uh, posture, let's say, been an asset to someone like you who is trying to figure out ways to come alongside leaders in such a diverse uh, right. group of nations? 
one of the beautiful things about Awana is it's a servant to the local church. And we really want the Awana program, like you were just describing, to be the tool of that local church. So if if um, if a church is doing outreach into um, another community, if they want to, you know, for example, in Eastern Europe, sometimes they'll, they'll take the club outdoors to uh, the apartment complex and they'll invite kids from the apartment complex to come out um, and, and join, you know, the, uh, the games and activities that are going on and then share the lesson with them. Um, you know, we've seen that kind of work happen in, in slums in Africa and hard to reach places all around the world where, where people who have a burden or a vision to go and to take, uh, the mission out have been able to use Awana as a tool that way. We've seen churches where, um, you know, they might have a lot more um, restrictions, government uh, restrictions, even persecution. They might have to be a little more careful and closed in the way that they're that they're running their Awana program. But it can still be a discipleship tool to work with the children and work with the parents. What you find sometimes in these uh, more closed countries, like in Central Asia, is that the parents may go to church, but they leave the kids at home because they're concerned about their security or safety. Uh-huh. Well. We don't want, you know, we don't want to lose that next generation. So what tools can we offer to the church there in those places so that they can um, reach their kids with with the message of the gospel and disciple them, you know, give them um, lessons, age appropriate lessons and resources to keep working with their kids. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Regardless of the speed bumps of a global pandemic, Our mission of reaching kids with the gospel and engaging them in lifelong discipleship still stands. Now more than ever, we are equipping local leaders to share and show the love of Jesus. And we are supporting the loving, caring adults around the world who are guiding our children through the unknown circumstances of our time. A study from LifeWay Research revealed that 57% of pastors don't know when their children's ministry will resume. But at Awana, we know that the discipleship of our kids cannot wait. Now more than ever, we must press into the unknown with a known God and a resolute mission. We trust him to provide prayer partners who will also give generously so that we can sustain and invest in child discipleship around the world. Our encouragement is found in you. And it is our prayer that God continues to call you to our shared vision that all children and youth would come to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, there are still millions of children who need Christ. Because of your commitment to the gospel and influencing children with God's love, we can partner together to reach a lavish harvest of resilient young people, the greatest generation of disciples this world has ever seen. Invest in the future of the faith at awana.org slash more than ever. As you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, just the the life transformation that happens. And I was thinking of some stories um, of, of kids whose lives have been changed. There's a young lady in Ukraine um, who was adopted. So, so okay. we have many kids who are dealing with difficult situations like, um, you know, living in an orphanage. They still have orphanages in many parts of Eastern Europe. And she felt um, 
she was nine years old before she was adopted. And it, it took a long time because people often adopt to the, the very young children, the little children, but uh, they were older and she felt like no one would adopt because she was, um, you know, there must be something wrong with her that no one could love her. And of course, you know, that's a big struggle for any, any child who's adopted. Um, but the, the mother and father adoptive parents were really um, stressing their love uh, to Ilona and her sister. And they started taking them to an Iwana club and, it, it took, you know, it wasn't the very first time she came and visited an Iwana club. It was a couple of years, but she kept hearing the same message that, that God loved her and that her parents loved her. And she saw the love of the leaders. And finally, you know, God was able to help her see that she, she is um, so loved that she is ultimately loved uh, by, by, by God himself, God, her father. And, and she was able to uh, trust Christ and begin to grow in him. And now um, she's a teenager and she's a leader uh, in the club and she's studying, wants to become a, a school teacher because she really feels like, you know, God made a difference in her life. She wants to do the same thing for other kids. And, and that kind of story gets repeated all over um, Europe where there's kids who lost a parent you know, and, and, and they come to an Iwana club and they find the love and connection that they have, or their parents divorced and they're struggling with that, or they're, you know, they're just dealing with the things that kids everywhere are dealing with, of feeling isolated and alone. Um, you know, maybe video games is kind of their only escape. And then, then, you know, they discover an Iwana club experience where suddenly they've got friends, they've got leaders who care about them. They see a bigger, you know, world and an opportunity to be involved in something bigger than themselves and, and, and they come alive. I yeah. love that because I think there's two things that stand out to me about that. One is it combats against the idea that I think a lot of, especially younger parents are feeling of like, Oh, I have to do everything by myself because not mm -hmm. only is that not true, but also the best case scenario for your child is to have that community of love and caring adults. Obviously in the testimony you just shared, that came from a place of trauma, right? It came from a place of, right. but that is still true for my kids, your kids or any kids that God built the church. And one of the functions of the church was to surround the kids of the community with loving, caring adults. The other thing that stands right. out to me about that is I think the danger or the, where the sort of perception of Awana as this thing that happened in my church's basement is it limits the possibilities of what God wants to do with a program like Awana that is set up mm -hmm. to have someone like you empower local leaders. Because, you know, when someone is, a, when someone donates to Awana, what they're giving to is an organization that can reach that child. And not every organization can do that. Right. We have a structure in place that allows someone like you to be empowered to reach, to empower a local leader. And that local leader can reach that child. And that is possible because of people's investment in this ministry. Right. It's seeing uh, children's ministry as a missions strategy more than, than simply, you know, maybe the way that we take care of kids in our church, you know, so that families are comfortable and want to come to our church and, and we can, you know, um, have them in our services, but, but really, um, Children are are not just the next generation of Christians; they're the now generation of Christians. Amen. They're they're a vital part of our church community and life, 
And when we see them and when we recognize them and when we minister to them, we begin to see that God touches our own lives because of the investment we made in the kids. We receive a blessing. Those children um, see that they are important in God's kingdom. They see that they have a role to play. They can be a part of the church. They, you know, yes, they're going to grow up to become the nation and become those leaders. But today by investing in them, we are, um, we're, we're growing the kingdom. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And he said that, uh, that, that the kingdom of heaven uh, was for, was, you know, to the children was for the children. We had to become like children, but also that, that he was welcoming, you know, the children into the kingdom. And, and I think if we see that as in the church, if we see that as the mission strategy for our local church, and even then expand that for global missions and go, you know what, if we can help churches minister to the children and the youth in their community, it's going to strengthen that church. It's going to grow that church. It's going to help those reach those parents and families. It's going to have all these other benefits, but it's because we made a mental shift and we said, we want to invest in reaching children and youth because we believe that's God's heart. We believe that it's effective. We believe that it has the greatest, um, you know, fruitfulness um, and, and, and then, you know, you're impacting today and tomorrow. So there's yeah. so many reasons. I mean, we could we could spend full hour podcast. Just yeah, it turns out the, the guys who no work reasons. at a children's uh, ministry organization like talking about kids. But yes, no, you're exactly right. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. That when a child awesome. trusts Christ, they don't get the junior Holy Spirit. Yes, you know, they, get the, absolutely. they get the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. I want to ask about, so I want to ask about this current moment that we're in because we're going through a rare worldwide universal experience. Every community, every county, seemingly every family is handling it slightly differently. Mm -hmm. But the coronavirus is a unique opportunity to put the most positive spin on a global tragedy mm -hmm. as possible uh, because we all are facing the same uh, external force that is impacting our life. Right. How has the church, how, how have the churches, obviously broadly, you're not speaking necessarily about individual communities, but how have the churches broadly that you have relationships, relationships with responded? I think I know I tend to look at it just with America's problems, but the coronavirus mm -hmm. is not a America only problem. Right, right. No, it's been, it's been absolutely fascinating to walk through this journey alongside of people all across Europe and even all around the world. I've had some Zoom meetings with, with some of our other leaders from other parts of the world and to recognize we're going through something so similar. Um, it, yeah, one sense it levels everything <laughs> between all of us, but, it, but it, it just stresses, you know, how dependent we are all, we are all dependent on one another. Um, but to your question, I would say, um, you know, some of the initial uh, lockdown process was similar. Uh, it, you know, we, we had to stop meeting in person in basically all the areas of, of Europe. Um, there were restrictions on how many people could gather and um, churches, you know, started having services online or on Zoom. Um, so children were not able to meet face-to-face uh, -face and in person. And so that immediately presented some challenges of, you know, what are we going to do? Um, we've, we've just had a, 
great variety of responses. We had um, uh, in Ukraine, they, they started filming the lessons and sending them out to the leaders and saying, you know, if you want to share this with your kids and do, and do an online discussion with them and play some online games and they gave ideas. And so they, they really, you know, tried to, for the temporary situation, create a virtual uh, Awana meeting for kids. And I, I think some of the clubs really benefited from that. Uh, some, you know, they might not have had the resources to do that or the opportunity to do that, but they continued to check in on those families, whether it was calls um, to the homes, um, some places uh, delivering food, you know, because there was um, challenges, you know, for, for families to get the food and resources that they need. So there are practical ways that we were able to help um, something that God's doing. Absolutely. Well, and I think that to me is such a perfect example of the way that Awana as a as a ministry has had to respond to the coronavirus and you know uh my wife works in healthcare right i'm i'm the furthest from talking about silver linings uh for a global pandemic but what i've seen in organizations across the board is the coronavirus has either stopped their work or accelerated changes that were going to have to happen eventually right Right. And I think part of the reason why Awana has been able to lean in and make changes like that is because we have empowered local leaders to better to best serve their communities. Right. right. You are not trying yes. to figure out what works in Ukraine right. in your house during a lockdown in the in the state of Illinois. Um yeah. and because our mission has not changed in 70 years. I was recently writing somebody, you know, we were always invested in resilient child discipleship. We just didn't always call it that. And right. the fa- when your mission is that constant, and I would argue that centered on, you know, what God is calling us for. Mm-hmm. A pandemic that was not a surprise to God in the first place is going to force you to adapt, but it's not going to have to slow you down the way that it slowed down other ministries. And again, it speaks to me the the reason why folks who invest in Awana are investing in something that is so eternal. You know, we talk a lot about the church 2050, but it's a lot longer than 2050 uh, when you're investing in an organization like us. We come alongside of those people that God's raising up and, and um, you know, we're, we're seeing the fruit of that work and it gives us hope um, because, you know, the, the, when you invest in children, you're, I said this before, you're investing in the future, but you're also investing in, in them now and today. And, and you see the, you see the, the brightness and the hopefulness and the potential and the joy in those, in those faces and in those kids. And you recognize that if, if God's going to come alongside of these kids and help them um, and we can just continue to multiply this work to more and more of these bright young uh, faces and minds and hearts, it, it's going to, you know, provide for the, the, the future of the church and the future of mission and the future of the kingdom of God. It's going to keep going forward. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. 
Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.